Hello there. Welcome back for another weekly, yes, weekly, fix of the Hiker Podcast. I am your host, Owen Hamilton. It's that time of the year again, folks. If you celebrate Christmas, it's a time of year where, if you're anything like me, you're panic buying all the presents you need to buy for the ones you love, or the ones that you love and they don't love you back, or the ones you feel you should buy a present for so they don't think you're cheap. So, why does it have to be so complicated and stressful? Well, for those of you who are buying for a fellow adventurer, you can now give them the gift of adventure with Hiker Pro vouchers. You can kit out your hiker buddy with a one-year or three-year subscription to Hiker Pro by visiting our website, hiker.com. That's H-I-I-K-E-R.com. And there's a lovely big blue banner at the top of the page, which will bring you to the voucher page. It's simple, stress-free, and the perfect gift for your adventurer in your life. And of course, it doesn't need to be for any religious or festive event. You can get vouchers any time of the year, any time of the day. So, this week on the show, I am chatting to Charlie McRae Todd, otherwise known as Hikerbetic. Charlie is an actor, a hiker, and an absolute gentleman. He is also a type 1 diabetic. Now, honestly, I had no idea of the complications that people with type 1 diabetes live with. But after speaking to Charlie about his 2,000 kilometer hike on the end-to-end trail in the UK, it absolutely blew my mind how much thought much ha- must have gone into the planning of a hike like this. For most people, the main considerations are food, water and shelter. For me, I add on peanut butter. Yes, it deserves its own category. For Charlie, he adds on a matrix of other considerations he has to make to ensure that he is able to continue and is safe. If you want to follow Charlie's adventures, you can find him on Instagram as Hyperbetic. But for now, enjoy my interview with Charlie McRae Todd. Yeah, so I am um, I'm, I'm an actor. Um, I'm also I'm also a type one diabetic, which in the hiking community is um, there, there maybe aren't that many of us. Uh, just um, just because. Up until recently, it's been it's been relatively difficult to kind of go out on trail uh, safely as as a, as a type one diabetic. Um, I I'm living in London now. Uh, lockdown was a weird one for me. I it, I was living on on an abandoned farm, which was an ex military depot uh, for the whole time, and. Um, it was a it was a bit of a bit of a strange situation where the um the people who got us in there um it was a it was a, a guardianship property i don't know if you if you have those in ireland but it's essentially when properties not exactly safe to be lived in and is like scheduled for for demolition or something and they'll get some people in to watch over the property just stop official squatters from rocking up and and you know fly tipping and and that sort of thing and and then you and then you live there for for kind of next to nothing um but it was a it was a really surreal place to to spend to spend lockdown um and 
And it was in that time, uh, as I'm sure for a lot of people over over the pandemic, that I started walking. Uh, I've always been like a, a runner and a and a, a cycler, and uh, I've always had quite an aggressive attitude to like the like you, I need to like a comp- if I'm going to go out and exercise, uh, it would need to be in quite an intense way, mm-hmm. otherwise what was what was the point I didn't really I didn't I didn't really understand like why anyone would walk when you can run and get there faster and I think I was I was definitely a a product of of this kind of modern culture of like faster better quicker um until the pandemic where uh you know for for me as a type 1 diabetic uh I was on uh, I was on like a list where I just was not allowed to go out um ever pretty much in in the UK but it was also a really beautiful time to to slow down and take stock and um and just question a bit more okay and and so what sparked you to to start walking because I, I I get like I'm sure a lot of people listen to this in 2020 in particular it was a big year for the great awakening you know the great outdoors awakening when people started to go outdoors but was there something that that triggered that where you're like, oh, you know, when I get outside and walk in the hills? Yeah, so I, I, I've always I've always been uh, fairly outdoorsy since I was since I was a kid. Uh, I had a I was brought up by a single mum and uh, she she had a, a pretty anti technology attitude uh, for us as children. So she would like just lock us out of the house and we were lucky enough to to live in a, a pretty rural um village in in Berkshire with lots of woods around uh but I distinctly remember just spending days and days wandering around in those woods with a stick uh <laughs> and and being a bit bored to start off with but then slowly needing to use my imagination to kind of entertain myself and I think it was it was through that that I I I fell in love with with being in the woods in particular but like my my I've got a lot of family up on the on the east coast of Scotland and there's some there's some beautiful walking around there that we would we would never really like go hiking with backpacks as a family but there was a lot of you know, single day uh, hill climbing. There's a there's a particular hill called called Benny Vraki in um, just outside Pitlochry in Scotland, uh, which which means the the speckled mountain, and it's it's a really beautiful hill, and I climb that every year. Uh, and so, I think when lockdown came, I I already had a bit of a you know, a bit of an affinity, just a bit of a need to be outside. I'd already kind of clocked that I felt I felt more uh, at peace in my body uh, in an outdoor natural environment. Um, but the big shift for me was the the kind of the calming down from from running fast and and getting up a sweat and make you know being exhausted by the time I'd finished my my timed loop back home uh and just starting to 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 wonder with in 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 kind of 
both the words like wander um, around and, and, and wander in my head, um, you know, just with a bit more curiosity and just, and I think that those, those days of initial lockdown, they were, they were like the longest, longest days of my life in a way, but um, you just, you just, I think the, I think the, the newness of it all just got you to, to look around in a very different kind of way. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people had the same, uh, but for, for me, it was, it was the, the world just sort of exploded in like curiosity and, and I was, I was just a bit more interested in things. I wasn't just like focused on like running for the sake of running. I was, I was walking by with a bit more curiosity, I guess, mm. was, was what was slowing me down. Yeah, it's interesting you say about, um, well, slowing down in yourself and that you slowed down running, you know, you slowed down to a walk and you started walking in the hills and, uh, but the, and the world slowed down and all kind of happened in unison. And um, I, I just remember myself from like the early days of the lockdown, have, uh, you know, the, the days did slow down for good and for bad. Obviously, you were the early days of the lockdown where you were, restricted to 5k or five miles within within from from your house and you know your days are very very long if you can't go and travel especially someone you know as active as you um it, it makes your day that much longer so stopping and and kind of paying attention to the world around you and then bringing that into what your activity is 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 uh you know i think a lot of people would would resonate with that too um the uh, can you talk to me a little bit about uh, like the day-to-day life of like a type one diabetic you know what what does what does that mean in your life yeah sure so uh i was i was a bit of a strange case because you know a lot of type one diabetes is hereditary and is just passed on through the family and um you'll you'll have uh, a lot of people just born born type one or or kind of you know getting getting that their, their body will sort of you know kind of change into being type one um diabetic when when they're about 12 or 13 um and their body's starting to change um and and you know for people who who don't know uh basically type one diabetics uh is is when your your pancreas which control controls your blood sugar levels um you know either just doesn't work at all or is is just working so poorly that you're having to um supplement with um insulin injections uh to control your blood sugar so you know i'll eat um i'll eat a piece of bread and you'll eat a piece of bread and your pancreas is um pretty pretty good at knowing uh, as soon as the um the the taste is 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 hitting your mouth all right guys we gotta we gotta start making some insulin now um you know owen's owen's eating bread and bread again uh let's let's like send out let's send out the little insulin warriors into his bloodstream and then that will you'll get a little spike of of blood sugar but then the the insulin will will level you out it's a bit more rudimentary when you're type 1 diabetic because you're having to you know, do the job manually and guess, um, you know, right. I reckon there's a, there's maybe 15 grams of, of sugar, 
um, in in you know this in this bread roll that I'm eating. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of give myself two in, insulin units, um, and it's uh, it's quite a it's quite a kind of complex calculation that you're always having to do whenever you eat any food because that's a real simplified version of it. But there's all kinds of things that affect your your blood sugar um, if it's if it's hot outside how well you slept last night have you got any alcohol in your bloodstream are you stressed mm. um and recently i've uh i've switched over to uh, a patch that, that goes into my arm which i can i can scan with my phone um and that will tell me it's a constant glucose monitor and for any type 1 diabetics listening uh <clears throat> in um in in ireland or in in the uk or, or around the world like speak to your doctor do anything you can to try and get one of these because it is it's a it's a life changer there's no way that i could go out and and hike trails on my own uh which is something i love to do if i didn't have this i mean i i could but it, it just makes it so so much safer because you can you can see in real time what's happening with your blood sugar levels um so in terms of day-to-day -day life, uh, being diabetic, you, um, you know, your, your mood is affected um, pretty, pretty drastically, depending on what your blood sugar is at. Um, you, you have to contend with uh, the fact that, um, you know, your, your body, your body is, is kind of going, going to run into some problems. Um, probably a lot earlier than than the average person uh so a lot of diabetics sadly um have to have limbs amputated or lose their eyesight or certain bodily function um quite early on in their life uh just as a result of high blood sugar and so new new ways of coping and and new technology like like this thing is helping to ex you know extend the life expectancy for most type one diabetics but, but at the moment if you're if you're type one then you're you're probably going to be living maybe sort of 11 to 12 years less than if you if you weren't type one and when you're diagnosed at 12 or 13 years old that's that's a really frightening you know thing to be confronted with and the kind of mental tax of of dealing with a condition that is um, you know, and we're, we're all, we're all sort of on our, on our way to the grave eventually. But I think being diabetic, the big thing for me is it's, um, it's more of a kind of constant, uh, constant fight to, to try and sort of keep myself healthy for as long as possible. And that feeds into being outdoors for me in a big way as well. Um, I don't know if I would, be particularly conscious of of you know my of my health and 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 staying fit in in the same kind of way if I wasn't diabetic maybe. Mm. It's funny how certain conditions can make people focus more on themselves in that in that way. Um, you know, people that are challenged in in certain ways, whether they ha they don't have a particular limb or they have some sort of condition it kind of 
sparks a little bit of fire in them and say, well, no, I like I can do this thing. I like, I, you know, that little bit of, of adversity kind of pushes them to to prove certain things. And like, you know, you, know, you don't have to do these things, but there, there's a, a a part of you, I'm sure, that you're like, well, no, I'm, I'm going to enjoy these things. I, like I'm going to be healthy, but I'm also going to go out and, and enjoy myself. And um. It, it was I was kind of thinking to myself there about this like amazing technology that you have now with the, the patch in your arm and working with your phone. Uh, I wonder what your mother would say about the, the use of technology in your in your day to day life. <laughs> well, totally. And I so I have a I have an interesting relationship with with technology, um, I think probably largely in, inherited from from my mum's attitude to it when I was growing up. Um, but you make a really good point which is that you know for 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 me things things like this and uh there are there are lots of great hiker being one of them there there are lots of great examples in the world at the moment where where technology is being used for for real real goods real kind of value change in in people's lives and and where the 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 app or the or or the tech behind it it's it's designed it's designed with like care and and consideration for the user as it's as its primary as its primary function with the you know with the and, and this is me maybe getting a little bit political but like with the the monetary side of things as a as a secondary Mm. um as a secondary thing um as as an afterthought you know if if it if we break even then um you know then then that's great and if we make profit then that's cool but i think that uh what you were saying about adversity is really interesting and and it's it's such a it's such a weird one for us as humans living at the moment because so much of the world seems hell-bent on making life as easy for human beings as possible you know uh i'm being sent adverts for you know a kettle that will boil my water three seconds faster than the kettle i have at the moment so you know maybe i should throw out the kettle that i've got now and buy a new kettle because you know three seconds that you know that's three seconds that I could be doing something else and like I was saying with my attitude towards running and stuff and I didn't I didn't really didn't really sort of there's something a bit counterintuitive about walking uh you know walking for long distances when you can just get there quicker I mean it's 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 pretty much the slowest way you could possibly go about getting between two places and uh, you know, for a long time when I was when I was younger, the idea I would run everywhere because why would you walk? You can run there and get quicker and then spend more time doing what you want to do. And I think there's something very human about how we're all trying to speed up our lives as quickly as possible so that we can kind of eliminate all forms of difficulty and and trial and stress and i think the pandemic and and you know things like my my medical condition and like you were saying about you know other people sort of having 
certain limitations around their lives that on the surface they're not good things you wouldn't wish them on your children but they do somehow bring out a uh, a kind of like a profound meaning in in the lived experience uh of of life for me and there's this yeah i'm constantly trying to flip back and forth um between like the modern need to sort of make everything so easy mm-hmm. that we can all just go into mark zuckerberg's meta universe and just sit on our sofas and and you know get fat and and eat cake for the rest of our lives uh yeah you know, there's, we, we, there's... we have we have uh... We have a, 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 an announcement to make that we are actually hikers going into the metaverse. So you will be able to hike any trail that you want in the metaverse uh, with Mark Zuckerberg himself. So that's coming soon. Just in just in your living room, like while I go outside. Yeah. Um, and you know, I might be I might be wrong in this, but like I, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be one of the kind of like the old school luddite generation who is is advocating until the bitter end that there is there's something about the lived experience there's an aliveness about being in the real world uh that that you'll you'll never be able to convince yourself out of you'll never be able to replace there's something so so complicated and and magical and beautiful about being out in nature that I'm trying my best to kind of understand uh, what happens when you go out on trail and why you feel so different in your bones, Mm. Um, you know, compared to walking on a treadmill with a really convincing VR headset on. Yeah, but it's actually funny that you say that because it's something that we kind of don't come up that often, but when we speak to people of a certain generation or people of a certain you know like they 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 came from a time or they came came from a a, a, a an upbringing of you know paper maps and and compasses and 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 getting out there and enjoy and by all means i i i love that i'm trained to be like a mountain leader i want to, i want to know how to use maps and compasses i love them they are they are the best tools that were device and they're literally a piece of paper uh, and uh, some uh, and a magnet you know but we get kind of feedback saying no why are you making this piece of technology why are you taking away from the lived experience and uh, you know there is that constant question to ourselves are we doing that but i suppose what we're trying to do and thank you for putting us on the same list as a piece of technology that uh, helps people uh live with type 1 diabetes uh, i don't know if we necessarily make that list but uh but what we are trying to do and what we hope that people can realize that we're doing is we're trying to introduce people to the outdoors to to hiking specifically to get more people on hiking trails we don't need to be the center of, of attention it's just a case of here's something you can do and we don't like there is a pro version there's a paid version that you can have if you want to which has all the bells and whistles but you can find a trail you can get out on that trail you can do everything you want to do with the free version and design as you said comes first and foremost it's designed to get more people outside we don't want to make it complicated for people to get outside but we do have that constant question of like are we are we getting rid are we 
causing more people to go inside their phone? Are we causing more people to be, uh, you know, trapped in this uh, this evolving technology? Are we going to be in the metaverse? Are is Hiker going to be, you know, this thing? Um, I suppose it, it's 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 just a constant kind of. It's, it's, it's refreshing to hear from other people, but it's also refreshing from ourselves to, to know that, no, we, we are part of that. We, we are trying to bring that old uh, technology, if you will, to, to, ne- to the new technology and bond the two so that more people can have that lived experience. Because ju- just having a phone, as I'm sure you're aware, we'll get into this now because we <laughs> veered away from talking from hiking, but this is really good. Um, uh, as you'll well know, hiking, uh, no matter if you have a phone or not, you still have to hike the trail. You still have to go out and walk the miles, the k- kilometers, go up the hills, go around the mountains, go uh, through the forests. And, you know, you're still going to have that lived experience. Uh, it's just about like tapping into it and getting pe- more people out, uh, outdoors and, and doing the trails. But on that note, um, I want to ask you about your 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 hiking career so far. So, uh, you, as you said, you didn't you don't do these things lightly. You don't just go and go for a walk. You do these quite intensively. So, tell me about the the trail that you you recently completed. Yes. Yeah, so, well, I and and just quickly on your point, I I've yeah I've just finished the the end to end trail, uh, which is um, walking from the most southwesterly point of Great Britain to the most northeasterly, um, right at the tippy top right-hand corner of Scotland. And, um, and I used the Hiker app uh, for, for the entire way. And, and I think that the point that you're raising, and it's, it's really lovely to kind of, to hear how conscious you guys seem to seem to be of the issue is that you know at no point like the user knows like you know people aren't idiots the user knows when an app is being designed to keep their attention yes and I really really felt uh that 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 Hiker was was enabling me to be outdoors uh, as a as a type 1 diabetic sort of you know in a way that might not have been possible a few years ago mm. um, and so and, and I think there is a there's a real difference there um, so yes sorry I'll stop talking about tech um, <laughs> I, I um, yeah I, I finished the end-to-end trail and uh, it was uh, it was absolutely everything i i wanted it to be it is a fantastic trail is not not particularly well known i think cicerone press published the route in like i don't know like like three years ago or something Hmm. um maybe maybe slightly longer than that but it's it's not particularly well known it's it's not an officially waymarked trail so not not exactly the the PCT or the the Pennine Way, uh, so it doesn't come under the category of of a national trail. Um, but it it makes use of a lot of the long distance footpaths 
and a lot of the national trail routes in England, Wales and Scotland. Uh, very sadly, it, there's, there's, there's no route going through Ireland, but I think that that would be like something to, for, you know, for, as the trail evolves and as people are looking at the kind of prospects of, of you know, some big long distance routes um, in, in the UK and in Europe, um, I'd, I'd really love to see, you know, something that, that jumps across the water and um but yeah it's uh it's it's i i haven't i haven't done any any uh massive hiking outside of the uk uh i've i've done a i've done an organized trek to everest base camp uh when i was younger but um i i haven't got someone like impala's experience to be able to compare it to the, Appala the Appalachian Trail, um, some of the routes he's done in in New Zealand. Uh, but uh, do, you, do you like how I, I got myself out of having to try and pronounce the... the, the, the <laughs> uh, a seasoned listener of the, of the podcast is... Uh, oh, it's just horrendous. Anyway. Familiar with my, um, my trouble. I will, I will just say, just before we, we continue on with that, um, and, and they're not that well known, but there are the E8 rambling paths. I'm not sure if, you, if you're familiar with these. Uh, or sorry, yes. E8, the E, uh, European rambling, uh, rambler's paths. Uh, and there is one of them called the E8, um, which is a colossal trail. It, it goes from, well, depending on what way you start, but it goes from Istanbul all the way to very t bottom left-hand or west westerly tip of Ireland. Um, really? Oh, okay. It's seven, seven, seven thousand eight hundred and thirty-four kilometers. Um. So, yeah, yeah. it's 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 not cool. it, they're not well known, and there's not really ones that you would think that you're going to cross water and like go into you know because it goes through Ireland, then goes into the UK, crosses the coast to coast in the UK, then down into France, and then from France you walk basically all the way down to Istanbul. So, um. You know, you've you've done the uh, you've done the end to end, so you're this is the the next step. This is this is next one up. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. That's that's awesome. I'll um. But oh, sorry, I'll, I I I interjected. I'll totally look into that. Um. What was I? Sorry, I'm so I'm so bad at kind of like hopscotching uh, between different. That's thoughts. fine. I was talking about the end to end. Yeah, we were talking about the end to end trail. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, I, I know I know you've spoken to uh, Impala about about some of his experiences on it. I mean, the we actually never never met, but he he organised like a like a group kickoff that um, I sadly I missed because I headed off uh, a few weeks before before them. Um, yeah, the the route is is fantastic, and and I think for you know. For me, it was a bit of a backup plan that came about as a result of not being able to go over to the States. The, the initial plan was for me and my girlfriend to do the PCT, actually. And then all kinds of changes happened and she started an awesome new job, which meant that I was, I was looking down the barrel of, of walking, walking this on my own, um, which, which ended up being 
for me personally a really a really important and beautiful experience and uh, I think that for a lot of people hiking on your own for a long time can be a bit daunting uh, because there's there's no one to distract you you can't have your phone on the whole time you're going to run out of battery eventually and you are gonna have to come face to face with yourself out there at some point and for me starting out at um I started a bit further around from Land's End actually which is like the traditional starting point I started a bit before at a at a headland called Gwanap Head um which is 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 technically geographically the most southwesterly point um so I, I sort of wanted to kind of be be as I wanted to like touch the water at like both ends um and and for me uh, I'd done a bit of reading into some of the some of the myths and legends um and there's a there's a very lovely sad story um about a about a sailor and a, and a farm girl who, um, who who fall in love and are forbidden to be together, and um, and uh, the, the farm girl goes mad with grief, wandering the cliffs. The area is still known as Nancy's Garden, um, and there's the story goes on about how their ghosts are seen by like an old woman to drift off together across the sea. And as a story, it was something that like struck a chord with me and it's so fitting for that place. It's really, really melancholic scene. It's it's bleak as hell, man. Like you're out there, you're like, whoa, that is just the ocean. And you follow the Southwest coast path along the North coast of Cornwall, which is a tough way to begin this kind of distance. It is, it is serious elevation. I think you've climbed climb the height of Everest in your first two weeks and you know if you're not if you're not trail ready your knees are going to be in bits um after week two so you know that really kind of slapped me into shape but having the ocean there this constant presence uh with you when you're on your own um with the cliffs just crumbling slowly away into the water you know for me that was a it was it was really important time to kind of come to terms with things and like what this was all about and what I was what I was heading out on this route to try and try and try and figure out within myself and so were you hiking on your own the entire way did did the guys catch up with you or did you meet other hikers and hike with them for a while so I hiked with a couple of people uh for some short sections and uh it's you know it's not the most well trodden route so you you go you go via um the Pennine way so you know that was where I ran into some more people um in Impala passed me in the night uh somewhere in the Peak District because the man's got like Viking blood or something and just um you know we we kept in contact along the way and there was a there was a really strong community of people sort of just just you know encouraging each other and supporting each other and and willing each other on um and i i had a couple of friends and family come and join me at at particular bits uh for for a couple of days here and there but i'd say for the 
for the most part, I was on my own. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's funny because I hadn't have heard, I hadn't heard of the end to end trail, uh, you know, at all. I know Cicerone only published a book on it um, a few years ago, but I only literally heard about it in 2020, I believe back when it, cause Impala was the one that actually put it uh, uh, to us and said, um, you should like check it, check this trail out. It's, it's, it's amazing. You should have it on the platform. And we just did a quick little bit of research and we were like, okay, we're, we're getting this on. Um, so we added it onto the platform and within, you know, a couple of weeks, just through you guys, the, the, the kickoff party thing that he had going on, uh, his own, his social media, everybody else's social media, we got a ton of people coming on and using that trail. And I've seen the growth in popularity of that trail uh, spike this year um, it, it, between ourselves and any other website. It, we're getting a huge amount of traffic for that trail. But it's ju- it just goes to show, you know, when a community kind of hone in on something, how popular it can it can get. And hopefully now that will be the kind of the start. I know like there's amazing trails and like part of the end to end trail kind of links all of these amazing trails up the Southwest Coast Path, the Pennine Way. Uh, I think there's the John O'Groats Trail itself. There's definitely other trails that kind of link up the whole way up. But, you know, bringing that kind of that through hike uh, culture uh, over here I think it's it, it's quite it, it, the UK in particular is was kind of crying out for that, you know this uh, long distance hiking community that that weren't you know um, I suppose just a new generation the new generation of long distance hikers uh, that has been growing really really strongly over in the US and now it's kind of a time for it to come over to, to the UK and, and and Ireland and I think the end to end trail was the first one it's like okay, this is a, this is a big trail. This is a big feat. And having, as you said, those sections where you're able to, to hike with some people that are section hikers or doing the, the Pennine way or the, the Southwest coast path, but then you're moving on and doing something else. It, it's much more of a journey, you know, uh, that, that, that's at least the, the, the impression I get from people that are hiking it. Absolutely. I really, really hope so, man. And as a, as a trail experience, I mean, it just, I, I don't know, you know, the, the, um, I forget his name, but the author who, um, has, has put the route together, he's done an incredible job. Uh, there's, there's a couple of bits which are, you know, as, as land changes hands in the UK, you know, there's the odd kind of deer fence that gets put up every year that you need to just like find a way through, um but uh, you know for the for the most part uh it's it's got real variety as a trail because in england you know going way back we've we've got uh we've got like a a really interesting um history of pilgrims that sort of you know was kind of forgotten about after the dissolution of the monasteries but it is there if you want to look into it if you're interested in that kind of that kind of thing and and walking in in you know the the pilgrim sort of footsteps of generations gone before you you know i i followed like a a mesolithic drove road for a bit through the mendip hills um you're going over a burial chamber that 
was, was has been used by human beings for nearly 6,000 years. And as you work your way up, um, you, you know, the Pennine Way is obviously an um, amazing trail in itself. You've got that, um, the kind of political history of the mass trespass, um, you know, um, back in back in the 30s that sort of paved the way for all the right to roam um, laws that we have today and then and then you're up in you're up in Scotland you're doing the West Highland Way which is a well-trodden route it's a really nice place to meet other hikers um, and then and you're, you're kind of it's a good time to prepare yourself mentally for the Cape Wrath section which is just it's it's I you know I, I don't know how you could beat it in terms of in terms of scenery and experience it is just epic up there it's so it's so spectacular it's so beautiful it's it's hard it's 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 a bit scary um but there's there's a, there's like bothy culture where you you have old men walking for 20 miles with a sack of coal out to a little hut just so the next person who gets there can have a warm fire after a, after a a rainy day you know and the remoteness and the the beauty that you hit when you're up in Scotland that's my one piece of advice actually uh for anyone who in, unless you've done a big long distance hike uh I'd really recommend doing doing the end-to-end -end trail from Land's End to John O'Groats and not the other way around because if you're going into the Cape Wrath uh as you're as you're like <laughs> as your freshers week you it's it's gonna like chew you up and spit you out it's 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 brutal but by the time you you know i've been walking for for two months by that point uh you know i'd i'd been through the pennine way um and i i built up a bit of endurance i built up a bit of a bit of toughness and and i was and I was ready and I was also, and I was, I was also more confident. I was more confident in my, my map reading capabilities, uh, just more, more sort of at peace with myself, um, on my own out in, in remote locations. And, you know, that can, that can be quite a scary thing. And, and it is remote up in Scotland. Uh, you know, you're, you're passing, you're passing two roads in, in nine days, I think, uh, you know, so, so I think that it 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 could be a it could be a good idea to start start in England um, start and I said the southwest coast path it's hardly an easy beginning but you know you've got a you've got a village every every sort of day or half a day at least you know you've got something just reminding you that there are actually other humans out there yeah. Um it's certainly something that's been on my list anyway i know the cape wrath trail has definitely been on my list for a really long time um i know they do it i'm a bit of a runner myself and i i know they do the cape wrath ultra run um there but oh, i don't know how they like run that and if they don't do it in one day they they are you know in one continuous run because it's just too insane like um the elevation is crazy the terrain is crazy uh, so how you did that or how anybody that's done the end-to-end -end trail has done that after 
how many hundreds of miles of of hiking already and you know it's not it's not easy hiking either you've done southwest coast path you've done uh the pennine way you've done the west highland way and now you're going on to the, the cape rats trail so that's that's some achievement yeah well the, yeah thank you thank you man and um yeah it it is uh yeah the the end to end trail like you know i've done some i've done some like smaller week long uh national national trails sort of in in england and scotland but um but yeah and i'm very i'm very excited to kind of you know sort of see see what's next for me but i I, I came away, a lot of people talk about, you know, there's a sort of anticlimactic feeling when they reach the end of a, um, a long distance route, you know, they've, they've been going and going and going for months and thousands of miles in some cases. And then it's, and then suddenly it's there, the end's there and it's a, it just sort of catches them by surprise a bit. Um, at least, you know, the, that's, some people I know who have described it like that not really being sure how they feel how they feel when they come to the end because you 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 transition into a totally different mode of of experience you're living in a completely different way and and modern electric life seems very alien Mm. Uh, and and you and you come to you come to find it all so beautiful and so profoundly meaningful when you're out there um and so i I totally understand how it can maybe have a a bittersweet feeling when you come to the end of an experience like that but for me uh i was i was really joyful when i I got to the end uh because i'd had such a great time it was it was absolutely everything i wanted it to be and uh I I ended on on the morning of summer solstice. Uh, I knew I was close. I was like maybe like ninety miles out, and I was like, "Oh, I think I could do that in, in over the next like three days." Which would it was like it was a push for me to like start doing like thirty mile days at the end. I was I was like on the edge a bit, and I walked through the night on my final night, and I was a mile out from from the end, and I was walking along the John O'Groats path and there was a there was a school of orcas um you know at 4am in the water just below me and I just like as the sun was coming up was just watching them and then I got to the end and there wasn't a bus because it's Scotland and Covid and uh but there were these there were these two uh, two women, both in their fifties, and they were estranged sisters who had only found out about each other a year ago, and had decided to do a road trip through Scotland to get to know one another. And they gave me a lift in their in their camper vans and cooked me breakfast. And they had been up like all night because of the solstice, and um, it was it was a really wonderful way to to finish, but also like just that yeah as a whole experience it's it's got a bit of everything it's a really beautiful trail and anyone who's thinking about giving it a go just just do it <laughs> it sounds like a magical way to end the trail as well uh that that's 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 worthy of a of a story of a, of a novel uh maybe 
maybe you might see Charlie writing the book one of these days about the, his adventures. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask you as well. Uh, um, I, I don't know how comfortable you feel about ask, answering this question, but like, like with your with type one diabetes and hiking the end to end trail, because a, a big part of long distance hiking is is getting your food right, getting your pack right, is getting all of these things. So there's a lot of maths going on for for people when they're doing this. Um, was that that much harder? Like, is that something that you had to take into account every single day that you were hiking? Because you're obviously using a lot more calories you're burning a lot more calories you would tend to need more sugar in your system to get through that so what was what was that experience like yeah so a um it was a bit of a it was a bit of a strange one because you know i prepped as hard as i could um because as a type 1 diabetic if you're going out into a, a you know a remote landscape on your own um you need to you need to know um, and be honest with yourself and your family and your loved ones with the amount of risk that you're taking on. Because um, if you take too much insulin uh, as a diabetic, you'll lose consciousness. And if you're in a town or a village or even on just like a, you know, a regular walking route in England, someone's going to come and find you eventually. Mm. Um, but up on the west coast of Scotland, that's not the case necessarily. Um, you know, you you are are on your own, and there's there's much much less room for error. So it meant I always had to carry um, quite a lot of additional um, glucose. Uh, you know, to just make sure that whatever happened, I never ever ran out of food. And there were some days where I was very hungry, and I was looking at my extra extra gummy bear packets and thinking oh you know it wouldn't wouldn't hurt just to have a few bears right now but um so you're carrying some extra weight uh you're carrying sort of your insulin supplies and and all the kind of all the 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 needles and bits and bobs you need so you know there's there's the additional weight on your pack um there's there's the slight sort of fear in the back of your mind um about what you're actually going to do if something goes wrong um that you know i'd really recommend people to yeah just be really honest with themselves about um you know don't throw caution to the wind like be safe uh, as a type 1 diabetic it doesn't mean that you can't do any of these kinds of things if you've got a dream of doing a long distance trail and you can't <laughs> you can't bribe one of your mates to come in with you um then then you should do that but but you've you've got to take it seriously you've got to be safe and 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 have have as many fail safes um in place especially especially um for the remote sections yeah yeah well i suppose it's a it's a strong message for anybody doing long distance hikes or hiking in general, just, you know, always express yeah. caution, you know, and, and make sure people know where you are and everything like that. But yeah, particularly if you are type one or you have something similar where you do need to express that extra caution. Um, it's definitely a strong message. I'm sure most people listening to this, if you do have that condition, I'm sure, you know, we're preaching to the choir, you know, you know this, but it's all, it's, uh, never hurts to mention it. Um, 
I'm conscious of time, um, but I do want to ask you two more questions. And these questions could like lead on to big philosophical questions or uh, answers. Uh, but one, uh, what 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 does hiking mean to you? So hiking to me um, is uh, <clears throat> is about it, it came to mean over the course of the end to end trail actually um, pursuing a certain kind of quality of life I guess or uh, or a, a state of existence which I've heard described as aliveness and there's there's a certain yeah there's a certain feeling of aliveness that you can slide into accidentally out on trail uh, that hiking in particular rather than other exercises that I've tried seems to bring about I don't know if it is the kind of precise amount of exertion that you're that you're having to you know put um over a prolonged period of time and and that kind of coaxes your your brain into a certain state uh I don't know if it is just the pace at which human beings have wandered through landscapes since the beginning of time that we're somehow awakening within our bodies um I don't know if it is to do with the memories of past generations that we're walking walking behind and and following in the footsteps on but for me yeah hiking was was about and and is now about um you know finding and and staying for as as long as I can in in that state of aliveness and then trying to find other ways to bring that into the modern world and use it to to check and question and be curious about what you're doing in your your life or your job and 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 how you can you know be more alive in a in a curious way that is interested in other things and other people and in the world around you great um great answer um it, it, I, I find a lot of people are, are struggle to kind of put it in as poetic words as you put it in there but that was a, it was a really good answer the it, it is common it, 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 in that you, people have a very similar kind of response to that and that you know everybody has a busy, busy life you know we all have like these busy days even if you live off the grid I'm sure you do have a busy life in some way shape or form and I think for me anyway I agree once I get to the hills once I get onto the trail I'm surrounded by nature it doesn't matter how stressed I am about any particular situation whether it be work whether it be my personal life whether it be finances whatever it is it all just seems to kind of go away because I, I feel far more alive there than I do when I'm stressed out about something. It just, mm. it, it, it trumps everything else. It honestly just trumps everything else. If I'm ever stressed, I go to the hills. 
remember down yeah. go to the hills if i do that because that's that's truly feeling alive because i think to the the feeling oh, feeling alive is feeling present it's it, it and nothing makes you feel more present than the the, the call of the mountains nothing makes you feel more present than uh, standing in a forest when it is lashing rain or you know it's pouring down snow that that's real presence and that's what i think what alive feels like uh so you know if we can get more people to feel like that maybe the world would be a better place um totally yes um and one more question um because like okay what what have you discovered about hiking in your home country or hiking in the uk um that you wouldn't have discovered, uh, you know, without hiking, you know, maybe in your end-to-end trail or just true hiking in general. Uh, what what have you discovered about the UK? So for me in the UK in particular, and, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not well, uh, well traveled enough in the, in the hiking scene to be able to kind of like say this categorically, but, uh, a big thing for for me was the way in which the rest of the country is represented to us through media um, in quite a toxic, quite a sensationalistic, quite divisive way. And um, when you're out on trail, you will meet people, sometimes not very many people. Um, but in the in the UK, First of all, there's a there's there's a really lovely distinctness about some of the counties. Uh, you know, we've we've got uh, a long history of of you know people uh, down in Cornwall having having sort of you know stayed in Cornwall uh, for generations and generations, and certain customs and stories and accents that have. Um, developed over over centuries um so that you you feel that you're passing passing through these these yeah like different different kind of colors of the country as you as you make your way from county to county um but just in general that people are good that the average person out there is really good in heart and kind and generous and um wants to help and and i did not meet a single human being on my walk that i i did not experience something positive from uh i didn't i didn't meet anybody who uh who gave me even just the slightest hint of uh of aggression or negativity and um you know if you're out driving your car in in central london right now you're probably thinking well this guy just like has drunk the kool-aid and is being overly romantic about it but like you know cars cars are designed to like dehumanize when you when you see someone pull out in front of you in a car 
you can't see the human being in there. You can't see if it's like an old, an old woman who's frightened, who's taking her husband to the hospital. Uh, you don't, you, it's very difficult to connect on a human level, um, you know, in, in the modern world and have media represent us to each other in, in, a, in a way that is, is designed to try and kind of make money usually um, for someone or other and I think that for me I just have I just have my faith in humanity totally restored when I walk through the UK it's interesting you say that because I don't think you would get the same thing in London at all even walking down the street I think it's it's because just and any big city not just London any big city um walking down the street you wouldn't kind of get the same feeling that you know people are good or hopefully you do but you know you wouldn't get the same interactions at least um and i think it's because you're taking the time you're taking the time as well uh, when you're hiking and you're going slow when you're going through a town you're paying attention to things that are around you and appreciating them i think people maybe not necessarily consciously but uh, there's a certain part of them that that appreciates that you know and sees oh you're you're taking your time here. You're not just driving through and, you know, stopping in and, and, and carrying on. You're actually taking your time and walking through, saying hello to people, appreciating the surroundings. And I think people respond really well to that. Um, yeah, I, com- I completely agree. I think that's a really important part of the equation. Like whatever happens in that interaction, it is, it, you're right. It is because you're out there and because they, they like we recognize something in one another mm-hmm. that like there's something about hiking there's uh, it's just hopeful and positive yeah absolutely um i'm gonna let you go now but I, one question uh and you touched on it a little bit but are there any particular trails that you have in mind in the uk or abroad so uh, I got to do a lot of the Cape Wrath when I did the end-to-end trail. You tail off because you're not going to the, you know, the Cape Wrath ends at the most northwesterly corner of the UK, but you're, you're not going there. So you walk as much of it as you can realistically, and then you tack right aggressively uh, across across uh, the flow country. But I'd, I'd love to do, I'd love to do the Cape Wrath beginning to end. Um, I, I, need to come over to Ireland. Uh, so I've got my eye on, on, on a, a couple of the trails um, that, that um, you guys have over there. Um, and, and, you know, flights are, flights are going to, I've got a few friends who are, who are like right now clicking refresh on their PCT permit page uh so you know i think maybe maybe one day i think that for me um i'd i'd really like to see how the whole fire closure issue pans out over the next couple of years because i think just as the world's heating up it's it's becoming like just harder and harder to to you know to kind of have that pure end-to-end through hiking experience without having to to make a lot of detours and that doesn't necessarily you know mean that um i wouldn't want to do that but just just it would be a different experience i think yeah yeah um 
no it's, it's and it's something that we're kind of conscious of as well but with the growth in hiking not just the, from from a environmental point of view as in you know forest fires and and and, and the changing climate but just people, people walking these trails and and the kind of impact that they're having on a lot of these trails that's at some point hopefully not fingers crossed knock on wood all the, everything's crossed at the moment that some of these trails might be a little bit too popular and people start moving to other trails instead uh, like the you can see with the pct it's an, an incredible trail but it's 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 really difficult to get a to get a permit on it um yeah it's a, it's a lottery system um so you know that's obviously a good thing in that it restricts the amount of people that do it every single year uh, and uh, thankfully at the moment there's trails like the cdt that don't have a permit system but you can see okay well if the pct is not open i'm going to go and do the cdt instead and then that will just eventually end up in there being a permit system uh, but anyway we won't talk about the politics of, of of hiking and hiking trails right now that that is certainly a topic for uh its own podcast in uh in in <laughs> But um, I'm, I'm going to let you go. Uh, but thank you so much for your time on this. Uh, it's been great chatting to you. Um, uh, well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. It's great to it's great to meet you and connect with you. I'm a I'm a big fan of the podcast and and use use the app to do uh, the the Cotswolds way the like the other weekend. And yeah, you guys are doing great stuff. Thanks very much, Charlie. Well, uh, hopefully we'll continue to help you uh, on your travels and and hopefully we'll see you over in Ireland at some point soon or we might see you over in the UK soon. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, hell yeah, that'd be wicked. Cheers. Cheers, man. Charlie is definitely on the list for a visit when I get over to the UK soon. We never actually got to talk about his acting career, but hopefully we will see him on a screen or a stage sometime soon. It actually got me thinking about who would play you in a movie about your hiking adventure. I think for me, mine would have to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, it would be an excellent casting for own Odd Sox Hamilton. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with more tales from the trail next week. Happy trails, everybody.